Good morning. So good to see everyone, and what a blessing it is uh, to gather together with all of you and to worship our God in heaven, our Creator. If you would, this morning, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. If you are here with us this morning visiting and you don't happen to have a Bible with you, hopefully there's a pew Bible there in front of you, and that's page 707. Luke chapter 19, page 707 in our Pew Bible. Before we get too far in, I was having some handouts passed out. Did uh, everybody get a copy of this this handout for our lesson? Because if not, they'd be calling on Luke and Caleb to pass them out. I figure Father's Day, right? I mean, I could ask him to do that. I mean, this would be the one day I could get away with it probably, right? But everybody did get a copy of that? Okay. We will be uh, utilizing that handout, and, and the reason, the main reason I put that together is, is because I just did not want to make you, I didn't want to create that many slides, for one, but I did not want to make you try to copy that much material down as well. And I thought it could be uh, a good resource uh, for the future. So we have been uh, studying, or I've been leading some, some studies on relationships for several months now, and uh, these studies have kind of concluded with this point about evangelism and uh, really the mission that we should be on as Christians. The last couple of lessons have been a focus on uh, our need and the mission for us to be compassionate, to have a, a desire for all mankind. Um, God created all man in his image. And no matter what their background is or what they look like or how they're different than us, they all have souls and they all are loved by God the Father and they all are souls that God wants to be in heaven, just like us. And so we need to be compassionate for all man in a sense that we're looking at one another as our own brethren and saying, you know, how can I help my brother or sister in Christ? How can I encourage them and strengthen them? And most certainly, what about those of the world and, and those that are lost? So in our last lesson, we're going to review some of the points we studied, um, John chapter 4 and the woman at the well. And we're going to review those points quickly this morning. But ultimately, um, we get to the title of our lesson today, which comes from Luke chapter 19, and that title is going to be Seek and Save the Lost. And so if there is any mission that we as Christians should be about, it would be about the seeking and saving the lost of this world. We certainly had folks in our life that helped us with that and taught us and encouraged us and got us on the path that we needed to be on to be in a proper relationship with God. And there's so many in this world that need our help in that as well. And so our compassion for mankind is going to be a, a big part of that. And our focus and our attention to looking for souls that are lost and looking for opportunities is going to be a big part of that as well. And that was Jesus. And we've talked a lot about Jesus in these studies and him as an example and we've talked about several times already this morning in the prayer and in class. And several times already we have noted the importance and the value of Jesus as our example. 
He is our example. He is the perfect example. He is our, our master teacher. And we should be looking to him for his guidance. And he's given us that in example and in command. We have noted uh, in our studies that you know, God has given several important reasons for relationships and how beautiful uh, and wonderful a blessing they can be, especially when they are aligned with God's word because he is the author and creator of relationships. But what we have ultimately reached, our concluding point, these last two lessons, is that God created relationships in an effort to help us help one another get to heaven. And so we have the church here. We have our brethren. And we will teach one another. And we will hopefully correct one another when we see error in one another's life. And we're going to encourage one another. And we're going to lift each other up during tough and challenging times. And of course, hopefully we're doing this for one another and sharing that responsibility. And in doing so, hopefully we are going to increase our faith and grow in our trust and our service to God. And we're going to do this work together. And we're going to serve God together. And we're going to help each other get to heaven. But what about all the other relationships? And when you think about all the other relationships, that's probably a, a much larger number of people in our lives than our brethren. Because we have our neighbors, and we have our physical family that are Christians, and we have those in our workplace, and those we go to school with. And there's a lot of those people, and they're not Christians. So what about those relationships? What do we do in that case? Well, um, they may not help us get to heaven. And in fact, several times in our studies, we have noted that they might even discourage us and lead us away from God. And we have to be very, very careful and cautious about those type of relationships. However, we have pointed several times that the studies in God's word clearly indicate to us that we have a responsibility to teach them. We cannot get to heaven unless we are properly sharing God's word, the gospel message, with those who are lost. And that starts with how we treat people. Compassionate, loving, tender-hearted, courteous, kind, blessing others when they even do evil against us. That was our study from 1 Peter 3. We studied that and, and noted that Jesus says we're going to be judged for how we treat people. Matthew chapter 25, when he talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats, and he says those who help the hungry and the thirsty and visit those in prison, they're going to be the ones that are saved. Our eternal souls are dependent upon how we treat and care for others. And finally, we noted that we will not receive the compassion of God unless we are compassionate to others. And we studied that in Matthew chapter 18, and verses 21 to 35. Certainly a lot of these things have been about physical needs and are looking out for our brethren and those in the world and, and striving to care for one, each other, one another and, and help each other in physical needs. But also part of this has been the spiritual need. And what greater need is there than their spiritual need and their souls? And what greater example do we have in Jesus? And we talked about his command. Matthew 20 18. We mentioned this in class this morning as we're studying the book of Acts. And the apostles 
are taking action on this command. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, this had been Jesus' mission. This is why the Father sent him. Jesus often referenced, I'm here to do the will of my Father. And I must complete that will. And this, this was his mission. And now he is leaving and he's telling his followers, this is now your mission. You need to carry on this mission because I'm no longer going to be here to do that. So if we want to go to heaven when this life is over, we must be caring about, caring about others, loving others, showing compassion to others, and we certainly have to be sharing the gospel with the lost. So again, just in a real quick review, we studied in our last lesson from John chapter 4, and Jesus teaching the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and we made three points, three simple points from that uh, situation where Jesus taught this woman that we could apply to our own evangelism, and they're, they're very simple, and Jesus makes it simple, and he is our example to follow. Point one is that it's a scenario that we find ourselves in every day. Jesus was on a trip, he was weary, he was tired, he sat by the well, a woman came and he asked for a drink of water. Everyday conversation. Things that we do constantly. Um, and so that's the situation we're in. It's not anything unique or not waiting for a special moment. It's living life and being in everyday situations and talking to people about Jesus. Point two, it doesn't matter who it is. This woman was in sin. This woman was a Samaritan. She was even taken back. Why are you talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Later she admits, or Jesus basically brings out the point that she's had five husbands. And the one she's with, she should not be with. So she was in sin. And so even his disciples looked at that and said, what is Jesus doing? Why is he talking to this woman? They were perplexed. But the point is, for us, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their background is, and it certainly doesn't matter what society would say about us trying to teach someone the gospel. Point three is to make a simple transition to the gospel. Jesus did that with water, asking for a drink of water and transitioning that to a living water. And so we can make simple transitions. And I think today one of the focuses we'll see is, is being mindful and having a plan and being prepared. And then when you're engaged in a conversation, the first thing that should come to your mind is, how can I get to God? How can I end this conversation talking about God? And if that's on our mind, it's going to be easy to make those transitions. Then his disciples come back, and he teaches them. Because they're, again, perplexed, and they're confused as to why he's talking to this woman. They're, they're confused as to why he's not eating. And his point about food is, it's not about physical food. It, it's about the will of my Father. There's nothing greater than completing the will of my Father. Nothing in this life, no physical needs or, or goods or food or material possessions is going to take place of my mission to share the gospel. And that is our main mission, our main task, to share the gospel with all. Point two 
he makes to his disciples that opportunities are everywhere. And he makes the point about lift your eyes and look at the fields, they're white for harvest. They weren't seeing this Samaritan woman as an opportunity. They didn't look at it that way. And Jesus is saying, open your eyes. Opportunities are everywhere. Anywhere someone is not obedient and following uh, God, that, that's an opportunity. And point three uh, is simple, and that is just do your job. Do your part. He told them, you're going in and you're working where others have already done work. And we referenced uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Paul has watered, God gave the increase. We all do our part. And if we all do our part, then the work of spreading the gospel will get done. And before I move on from this, remember the result. The Samaritan woman went back and she told everyone. And the result was that many believed. If Jesus had never said anything to this woman, other than give me a drink of water, all those souls would never have been saved. But because he made that simple transition, she went back, she shared, and many believed, and many were saved. And certainly, if we're all engaged in that type of effort, we're going to see some results as well. Okay, hopefully again you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. A familiar story to most of us and especially probably our children. And they know the song that that goes with Zacchaeus. Um, I won't ask Caleb or Luke to sing that. Uh, That might be pushing my boundaries a little bit. But it's a good song. It's it's simple. It's easy. And then we could do a whole lesson really about Zacchaeus. He's a very interesting character. But... The focus here is evangelism. The focus here is Jesus as our example. And I really only have two points, and they're basically on your handout with a lot of details. But let's read Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus... And who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. As I pointed out, we could certainly make a good lesson just about Zacchaeus himself. That's really not the the main focus. But a couple things to point out about him. Obviously, it says in the text he was a chief tax collector. We know how tax collectors were viewed at that time, and they generally were not good people. And that he was rich. So here's a man of wealth, great wealth, and great protection and, and, and 
stature. And yet, we also know the text says he was a sinner. And nobody seems to refute the fact that he he was a sinner. So I think that's a, a fair fact to make about him. And yet, none of that stopped Jesus from talking to this man. Even though others complained and criticized. Why? Because Jesus was there for the lost. This is why Jesus came. This is what we're supposed to be here for and what what we're here supposed to be uh, all about, seeking and saving the lost. So the first point, which again is on your handout with several other points and details with it, is simply take notice. Here's a man up in a tree. How many people walked by that tree and didn't even notice him? How many people looked up in the tree and probably shook their head to wonder why this guy's in a tree and continued to pass by? And yet Jesus took notice. He saw a man up in a tree. He questioned the man. He said, come down. He said, we're going to go to your house. And this man was joyful about it. And we know that salvation, verse 9, has come to this house. So the text leads us to believe that Zacchaeus obeyed the gospel. Whatever Jesus taught him. And even though people criticized him, and Zacchaeus tried to make a point that, hey, I I give half to the poor, and I'm willing to, to give even more if I've done any wrong. He was a man that had a heart that wanted to do right. And even though everyone else only saw the bad, Jesus saw a man who was looking who was searching, who, who had an interest in, in, in being right and doing right. And so we have to take notice of opportunities. We have to be mindful. How many times in our lessons have we talked about being mindful? Thinking about it. Constantly thinking about it. Jesus was always thinking about this. This was his mission. This is why he was here. And he noticed Zacchaeus, and he took an opportunity to talk with him and to teach him. And Wednesday night, I had to put this in because this verse has just really been causing me to think a lot. And we brought it up a little bit last night, even though we haven't finished Jeremiah 5 on Wednesday night. And again, if you haven't been here Wednesday, I'll give a plug to that because it's been a wonderful study and an encouraging study to... So many things that connect to the New Testament and just really build us up as Christians. But in Jeremiah 6 and verse 19, it says, Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words. The fruit of their thoughts is a phrase that I have not been able to get out of my mind lately. Because what I am thinking about is going to lead to fruit. It's going to lead to something. And it it could be good, but it could be bad. (laughs) Jeremiah is telling them that, right? God is going to punish them, and it says even right here in the text, because they have not heeded my words. God's word is not on their mind. It's not on their thoughts. And so the fruit of their thoughts is destruction, is punishment, is suffering. And I have to ask myself, what are the fruit? And you think about fruit, and I'm not going to spend the time to go through the whole process. I think we all have a basic understanding of the the time and 
you know, how a tree has to grow and how long it takes to get fruit. So you're not going to see this initially. You say, well, nah, I, I know that's not true. I've given thought to these things. I, nothing bad has come from it. That's because it's probably not going to happen right away. But it will happen. I mean, this is just one verse. We could, we could spend our whole lesson this morning talking about you know, this concept of what we put into our mind. And what we think about and what we dwell on, right? It's going to lead to some fruits. And you may not see it now, but you will eventually see it. But my connection here is, if my mind, if my thinking is on evangelism, if my thinking is, where's my next opportunity? If my thinking is, I just started a conversation with this person, how can I get to God? If I have a plan in place to make that happen, can I be more evangelistic? Can I have a greater chance of securing my mission, my responsibility to seek and save the lost, and securing my home in heaven? And yes, that will be the fruit. If we're thinking about it and we're dwelling on it, that will be the fruit. I think we all get this point. Any of you that have ever preached, taught a class, um, done any type of presentation, it doesn't even have to be within church, right? When you do that and you are engaged in, in preparing for this and you're spending day after day thinking about it, isn't that just like constantly on your mind? Don't you find when you are teaching a class or preparing for a lesson that, that you just feel more invigorated as a Christian, as a servant, and you have that zeal and that excitement, isn't that there? Regard, more than when, say, you're, I'm on break and I'm not teaching for several months, and, and now maybe I'm not engaged in my study as I deeply was when I was teaching that class. I mean, there, there is a difference when you spend time and thought on things. But we can easily get distracted. And think about all sorts of things. We, we have to have that under control. How many opportunities come right into this building? You know, people come in this building almost on a weekly basis. And they're not Christians. And do we take notice of them? Do we engage with them? Or do we just sit in our pew and let somebody else do that? That's an opportunity right there. How many opportunities are happening around us in our life? Maybe, again, neighbors coming in, new workers coming in, or students in my class, or, again, on a daily basis, going to a grocery store, talking to a cashier, going to a restaurant, talking to a waitress, sitting in a doctor's office, talking to a nurse. I mean, it, it's constantly happening, happening around us. We're engaged in conversations all the time. But can we be like Jesus with a woman in the well and make that transition and see the opportunity like he saw with Zacchaeus and not pass by and not miss it. And this could be, again, the providence of God. Maybe God put this person in your life so that you could teach them and talk to them. Our thoughts are going to produce fruit. And the question is, what kind? What are our thoughts? And what will be the outcome? What will that fruit be? But if we're putting our mind and thinking about these opportunities and we're striving to take notice and we're praying about it and we're asking God for help with it and we're talking to our brethren about it and we're encouraging each other in that, um, 
we will take notice of those opportunities. The second point is to take action. So Jesus certainly noticed Zacchaeus, but he could have just kept walking. There's plenty of other people to talk to, right? So he noticed him, but then he took action. And he called him down. He said, we're going to your house, and we're going to talk. And that's always Jesus' plan, isn't it? He's constantly being on the lookout. He's taking notice of every opportunity. And then just simple conversation, help them, do a good deed, heal them, take care of them, and talk about God. Talk about the gospel. Talk about the condition of their soul. And it didn't matter who it was. Zacchaeus was a sinner. The Samaritan woman was a sinner. It didn't matter that the crowds condemned him. Jesus stood strong and said, I'm here for the lost. Do we have a plan and have we given any thought or preparation to it? So in point two of your handout, there's a long listing here of things that we could do. And again, we have to be thinking about these things and preparing and and having some of these things on hand to be able to um, carry out the action. Okay, but right here in the building, again, number one, I have to take notice. If a visitor comes in, sits in the back, and I don't ever leave my pew or never even look to the back, I'm not going to notice them. So I have to be on the lookout. I have to take notice. I mean, what better opportunity than someone coming right here into our building? You know, that, that is a great opportunity. So, again, are we noticing them? And then are we taking some action? Are we going to greet them and, and introduce ourselves and, and show kindness and courteousness? Do we invite them to lunch? We went to two different churches on the East Coast, and in both of those groups, they invited us to lunch. And they knew we were Christians, and we, we told them right up front, and um, that we were on vacation, and we worshiped here in Ontario. And yet both, both groups, different people said, why don't you have lunch with us? Come have lunch. Um, do we invite them to return back? Do, they, do we make sure they have a, a visitor's packet, or at the very minimum, at least the business card? And do we try to connect with them, get their cell phone number, connect on social media, so that you can reach out to them again? Because a lot of times, I'm telling you, and I look at a lot of those visitor's cards, people aren't putting their phone numbers on there anymore. Be lucky if you have an email address and an address. And so we're going to need to ask them, would you, would you be okay sharing your cell phone number? And I think most people are willing to do that. And then we can at least follow up with a text message. We, we had a couple a few weeks back that visited, and they were supposedly moving to the area. And I, I you know, got a little bit of their background. I got their cell phone number. I texted them. They texted back. Thank you. You know, I haven't, haven't heard anything since. But at least it's an opportunity to follow up with them. How about out in our everyday life? So we have been striving to try and create uh, as many kind of tools, I guess is the word I would use, for you to use, for us, all of us to use, and to make evangelism as simple as possible. And the business cards have always been something we've had. We've always encouraged the use of them. Um, we've changed them a little bit. We have the basic information on there. The website is, I think, very critical on the top of that card. So that would be something you'd want to point them to. We're going to talk more about the website in a little bit. Uh, but the back of this card is, is really important, right? And the reason I think it's important is because I could put my own name and my own cell phone number on there. And I could personalize this. And I can pass this out to anyone. 
And now they've got my name and my cell phone number with an invite that, hey, you want questions? You want to study? Get together and study? You don't have to come into this building. I'll meet you somewhere. This is just an open invite. Text me. Call me. Here's my cell phone number. And they know you. Okay? Now, we've said this before. If you're not comfortable with that, you want to put my name and cell phone number on a card and pass it to someone, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But they don't know me. (laughs) They know you. And they're a lot more likely to contact you and reach out to you. And if they reach out to you and they want to study, there's, there's people here that will help with that. Okay, but what a great opportunity to pass those out. So um, can I keep some of those in my wallet? Can I have some of those on hand with me at all times? So I'm at that store having a conversation with the, the, the cashier. And I know in my mind, I got to get to God. I got to get to church. I, I got to get to that. And so at the very minimum, I at least end with it. And I give her a card. You can do that, right? Can I have some at the front door? Someone's coming. In that, you know, we don't have as much of that anymore. But every once in a while, you get someone come to your door. You know, um, if they're a salesman, you just might get them to go way quicker too. So you give them a card, and they, they might want to leave, but maybe they won't, right? But again, have them at the front door. I keep some in my car. You have some at work. Um, I I make an effort, you know, to try and send out cards. Um, in my workplace primarily to just encourage people um, to try to be a, again a positive influence and I'm going to start putting these cards in there. You know, I was thinking about mailing birthday cards or, or mailing cards out you know, for Father's Day. You know, put one of these cards in there. You know, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to distribute and to send out. Okay, the next item is our website which again we've redone and um, again several men have helped. I appreciate that. Um, you should have access to this. If you still have not received access to get to the uh, login, the members page, let me know. But everything else is available and it's open to anybody. And it, it talks about you know who we are and what we believe and what we do here. But there's some really good things on here when you scroll down on that page that we're calling resources. So right in the middle, there's a, a click resources to the left. And I know this may some of these things may be hard to read, but you're you know encourage you to go on the website and take a look at them. There's an online Bible study, there's our podcast, and then there's an opportunity to sign up for Bible text message uh, per day. And so I'm going to talk about each of these real quickly. So our online Bible study is basically um, a combination of the lesson materials that we have back there and a combination of the correspondence course we used to use, but it's very short and very simplified. And it's as simple as how often Jesus said, have you not read? And it's just, it's just Bible verse. And so I know you're not going to be able to read those. Again, I emailed the entire congregation. You all have a link to it. It's on the website. Um, so you can share that link. You can send them to the website. You can ask them to take the, the lesson. It's short. It's basically five parts. There's part one, a couple verses, a true or false question. And it's just read the Bible verse. What does it say? First one here is about sin, and, and we've all sinned, and sin leads to death. Next part's going to get to about judgment, and the fact that just because you say, I believe in Jesus, or uh, I'm a Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go to heaven. Part three is about, hey, as a man, I can't figure this out. My ways are not going to lead to heaven, but we have a scripture that's inspired, and it's clear, and that will lead us. Part four um, is basically about the authority of Christ. That he is the head and he is in 
control, and it's only through Him and His teaching that we get to heaven. And the final part is Jesus saying the need to be baptized in Acts 2, the need to be baptized for remission of sins and salvation. And then the final piece is a conclusion, just asking, and they don't even have to fill this part out. They, they can just do the survey and leave it. Um, if Again, we get them to read a Bible verse and think about their condition, then we've done something good. But maybe they'll leave their name and their phone number, and now we'll receive an email saying, hey, they've filled this out, they got, we got their name and phone number, and we can reach out to them for a further study. Okay, so um, another item that was on there, obviously, is access to the lessons, and we've switched to a podcast. Uh, this is the Spotify version. It's on Apple. Again, I know Travis and Stuart did a lot of work to kind of transition over that. I really appreciate that. Uh, it just makes it really easy to access, it, it, very easy to share. And, and they're all on there. The Bible classes are all on there. Um, and so there is so much value, you know, in these lessons. And maybe you have a couple lessons from, say, a gospel meeting that was very focused on salvation. And you kind of keep those saved, you know. And you, know, you have a conversation with someone. They seem interested. Hey, could I share a lesson with you? And then you just send a text an email link or email a link to that lesson. And they can listen to it. Uh, so much value there, and value for us too. Talking about being mindful, can I go back and re-listen to the lessons myself? So I heard Bill's lessons once, and that was enough, probably, right? No, but they're here, right? Maybe you missed it. Maybe you're absent, and I know when I'm absent, I like to hear the men's lessons. But I'm trying to listen to a lesson every day and get my mind started in the right direction. So the lessons are there. Okay, this is something new we're going to try. So on the website is a link that they could sign up to receive a daily Bible message. It's going to be a short verse or two and a little, very short um, summary of what the verse is about. And then an opportunity. Do you want to study? Do you want to have questions? Text back. And we're going to send those out Monday through Friday. And so anyone that signs up will get those. And again, what we're also accessing is information, right? We're going to get their names, emails, phone numbers, and we can reach out to them in the future. We have a gospel meeting coming up. We can send an email out to all these folks. You know, we want to follow up a few weeks down the road, see if they're interested in something at this time. We can do that. We have access, and we can be engaged in that. So again, uh, that's an opportunity. We all are very familiar with these lessons. Rod took us through a study of all those lessons uh, they're all on the website under the resources. They're in English and in Spanish, so you can share those. And those are a great resource if you get to the point where someone says, I, I think I'd like to study more. Then start with lesson one and sit down. And it's very similar to that online study. It's a, a Bible verse, read it, and a question. Yes or no, true or false, and, and, and read through that. The last point is, is really just about us living the life of a Christian, right? We know we have a responsibility to, to be a light, to, to shine, and to be an example. And it starts with, again, just our daily living, being kind and courteous and loving and helpful and building relationships, um, doing kind acts. That's going to make a difference to someone. 
You do something kind for someone at work. You do something nice for someone at your neighbor. You help them out when they're in need, they're in despair. Um, and it's going to lead to things. It's going to open doors. And again, that's why we saw Jesus do that. Jesus cared for people. He fed them. He healed them. He, he cared for their physical needs, but more importantly, he cared for their spiritual needs. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I know this is not a numbers game. It never is. So we're never saying, oh, we've got to get so many people or anything like that. But I also think sometimes that we can use that as a little bit of an excuse. Well, it's not a numbers game, so we don't need to do anything. And hopefully you've seen in our study that this is our responsibility. It's going to make us stronger in our own service. And more importantly, it's going to share the light of the gospel message to a lost world. And so we have approximately 50 to 55 members here that could easily engage in these evangelistic uh, endeavors here. And so if we just said, I'm just going to keep these things at very, very small, simple numbers. But if each of us were to have a conversation, give an invitation to one person a month, one a month, is that doable? I think that's pretty doable for all of us, right? Talk to one person a month. Hopefully it's more, but if it's one a month, that's 50 people we just talked to that month. Okay? Because there's 50 of us. And what are the odds any of them are going to accept? Because that's another excuse we like to use. Well, nobody wants to listen. Nobody cares. Uh, I just saw an article for the recent Gallup poll on people that believe in God, and it's dropping. And so you, see, you take something like that, to see that, nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen. Well... We've seen things. Chris has been teaching on Thessalonians, and he's pointed out the idolatry and all the things going on there. And those people listened. And those people left idolatry and came to God. So they'll listen. We can't use those excuses. We talked to 50 people. How many of them are going to show up? I I don't know. I think about the day of Pentecost, and we say, oh, 3,000 souls. That's a lot. And again, you try to look up the numbers of how many people were there. It's, It's a little challenging. They claim that the history claims about eighty to 100,000 residents. And then some sources claim all, up to maybe 3 million people with all the visitors at that time. Well, let's just say it was 80,000 people. 3,000 is not really a lot now, is it, when you compare it to 80,000 people? That, that's basically saying if I talk to 25 people, probably one comes. So we talk to 50 people and we get one person to show up. Wouldn't that be a good work? We get 12 people in a year. And by the way, isn't there a chance that those people, those 12 people would talk to other people? Their family and their friends and their neighbors? And again, I'm not saying this in an effort to let's get our numbers up. It's saying in an effort to spread the gospel and to help people see Jesus and to save souls and to increase our chances of making it to heaven as well. I hope, again, this has been uh, encouraging. I think this is something that we'll we'll probably want to come back and touch on, uh, maybe in a home Bible study, and uh, talk about it, have a chance for you to to make some comments and ask questions. 
And uh, so we'll probably look forward to trying to do that uh, in the future. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you have not accepted uh, Jesus as being the Son of God and His commands being the only way that you can get to heaven and the need to be baptized, we can certainly help you with that this morning. If you're here this morning and you've uh, found yourself in error or not living the way you should, uh, we would love to pray for you and to encourage you in your walk before God. If there's anything we can help you with this morning, please come forward now as we stand and sing.